Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's Tuesday night. It's 6 p.m. This is the Excess Manchester Football Socials Forever Blue. A captivating footballing who won it story. Well, there's your answer. They've won it. They've done it. Manchester City. Live. From the world's best footballing city. Call now 0345 treble 1 7625 and have your say. And this is the Excess Manchester Football Social winning with Gowing Law. It's not just the football social, it's Forever Blue. I'm Ian Cheeseman uh, talking all things Manchester City as ever on Excess Manchester 106.1 FM. Thanks very much. For your company, I'm joined tonight by the legend that is Mr. Paul Lake. Good evening, Paul. Good evening, Ian. Are you in a good mood? I'm in a fantastic mood, mate. Thank you, you very much. You have to be at the moment, don't you? Buzzing, mate. Buzzing. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, what happened on Sunday, and we've got lots of other things to talk about. I'll just briefly introduce another guest we've got in the studio today who will need to lean into the microphone. Uh, it is a, a, a fellow who is probably recognisable from the... the well, well, I suppose we're talking the, the late 90s, aren't we, here, really? Particularly yeah. Presswich and Whitefield branch of the City Supporters Club, a certain Mr Don Price... Oh, Evening, Dan. Yeah. All right, Ian. How are you doing these days? Oh, brilliant. Thanks. 1994, the branch was formed. There you go. I guessed it right, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Middle of the 90s. And he's going to talk about his book, We Never Win at Home, We Never Win Away, which has got some great anecdotes in there. And uh, for one thing, my favourite City song. And what was your favourite City song, Lakey? Oh, mate, there's, there's too many to mention. I mean, I, I always um, you know, talk about um, the old times, but you know, just, just literally... When you when you when you do the um, you never went home, never went away. That kind of stuff is all that that self-deprecating humour, which, which City fans are notorious for. It's those kind of songs that I, I do latch onto. Yeah, I think Yaya yeah, yeah, Toure and obviously the two songs he's got, the Call Oh Yaya yeah, yeah one, and then Paying More. I think they're both great. Those songs, Singing the Blues as well, is also a, a personal favourite of mine. There, Maida. But you know what, my favourite is Go on, pal. The Invisible Man. I love the Invisible Man, and the truth is that even though I thought I knew how it had been invented. 
Uh, Mr Price next to me here knows the real story of how it started and he's going to tell us that a little bit later on. But we've got two special guests coming up as well. We're going to be speaking to Rodney Marsh, who's never short of an opinion or two, mm. a little bit later on. And the captains, and I mean, when I say the captain, we're talking about the most successful captain now in Manchester City's history. The mm. only one that's ever lifted three league title trophies. He's also lifted the FA Cup. Um, although I think technically that was Carlos Tevez that lifted it, but he was certainly in that side. Mm. And uh, obviously the League Cups as well. We're talking about Vincent Company. Well, you know what? Carla Company, his City fan wife, is going to join us a little later on as well. And you have some knowledge of her through your good lady, don't you? That's right, Well, You and met with Carla. Um would have been about two or three weeks ago now to do the piece in the programme called Blues Twos. And it was her introduction to Manchester City and the fact that she's been a lifelong blue and uh, a massive influence on, on Vinny. But at the same time, you know, recognising uh, that she's she's married to an, an incredible guy, supreme talent, but she's got a, a great story herself. So a fascinating individual. Well, we're going to talk to her a little later on as well. But we've got to start, though, by going back to Sunday. Obviously, I saw you in the ground on Sunday and it was one of those uh, uh, days that everybody's been waiting for. It's a lot different than the other two titles in 2012 and 2014 when they all happened on the day and then the explosion of emotion. This came after a bit of an anti-climax of a game, if the truth be known, doesn't it? Well, it did, it did. And, and, and obviously people were taking it for granted that it was going to be this barnstorming performance and uh, what everyone has probably... Well, not that everyone's forgotten about, but you're looking at two two managers that have, have found a way to, to, to try and combat... Uh, Pep Guardiola's style of football, obviously Jurgen Klopp and David Wagner. Now I was at Huddersfield Town on Friday as part of my job, sent in debut, apparently debut footballs to four of the players, including uh, Aaron Moy, and um, th there was they were buzzing. There was a real confidence in the camp. You felt it, you smelt it, and um, on top of that, how they set out, you just felt as the game progressed because we just we weren't moving the ball as quickly as we normally do. I don't know if you felt that. It felt a little bit more like no disrespect but it felt a bit more like a Pellegrini-type game. And um, they obviously were diligent. In the second half, it was literally... I mentioned you used this analogy a while ago. It was defence versus offence, wasn't it? And kicking the ball away, I don't. that doesn't sit well with me as a professional footballer, just kicking the ball out of the stadium or as far away as they can, just to get rid But that's what it was like. But you just felt it was one of those days in. But when all said and done, you know, we, we didn't get beat, and, and that's something that everyone's thinking, oh, they're going to get a goal in the last minute or whatever. But it was it was more about the day, wasn't it? And about the uh, the precursor to it. And certainly seeing the 68 guys do the Guard of Honour, that was a pretty emotional time for me, to be fair. I had a lump in my throat, you know, because it's seeing my mentor and some of the guys that I idolised and Don and yourself have idolised over the years and seeing them there being part of it, feeling part of it. And even the presentation with the trophy, using people from our community that never dreamt they would be involved in that moment and handing the trophy over to uh, Vincent is just that's something where you look at class like the the message to Sir Alex on the on the pitch that was about City fans showing a bit of class and again in how we did the whole the whole uh, event after the game in terms of the presentation was just so well done so well choreographed but it was genuine I was going to say it, it, that in the past when these have happened and certainly when the parades happened and it's come back to the stadium afterwards and we'll talk, perhaps talk about the parade a bit more. Oh, and by the way, and while I'm thinking about it, next Monday we have a special 
edition of the Football Social coming live from the parade. So I'll be down there. We'll be uh, we're taking the speeches, hopefully. run from six till a little bit later than normal, past seven o'clock, to take all that in. So bear that in mind next Monday. But what I was going to say is, sometimes it's... I'm not... This isn't a criticism, but it's felt very staged. The event on Sunday felt very natural. It felt... I mean, actually, the, the, the fans stayed in the stadium. Nobody hurried them out, of course. They drifted away... And I was fortunate enough to still be in there for a long, long time afterwards. And eventually there were only a scattering of fans left. And yet there were still some players. Pep was still out there. The families were out there. It was just very, very relaxed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And, and again, it was about that family sort of feel to it, enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, there is, there is a preamble which you have to go through whenever any team, Leicester, United in the past city have won the league. There is that, that, that protocol that you have to go through. But, you know, it was done in a certain way that recognised everyone being valued. So, you know, from the, the guard of honour, all the staff that have worked so diligently for the players and how much the players respect those, those guys and girls too. You know, and then that, that, that culminated in obviously the young players getting a handshake and, and Phil Foden hopefully will get his game on, uh, well, tomorrow night, won't he now? And, and he can get his, um, his, his, his medal. So there's, there's, there's lots of things that were just done really, really well. But I, I think it was, one of those days where you almost forgot about the result and forgot about the game because you were looking so looking forward to seeing the lads. And we do forget there's still players in that team that have never lifted that trophy and how much it's meant to them. Whether it's five games to go, ten games to go, three games to go, doesn't matter. You know, you can see how much joy that the players had and how much it meant to all of us. It was a fantastic day. And there were different, uh, obviously, reactions to different players. Yaya Torre got an enormous cheer when he came out. Understandably, De Bruyne and Silver and obviously Vinny when he came forward to, to lift the trophy. It was nice that Lucas Nemecha, Tolson Adara Bioyo, you mentioned Phil Fold and, yeah. and um, another lad that I absolutely idolise. I think he's going to be a big hit, Brahim Diaz. Mm -hmm. All those came forward as well yeah. and also got their moment, so... Uh, as well as the coaches, so it was it was a lovely family feel, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and and again, the, the singing was great, and and there was a bit of frustration, I suppose, in terms of expecting it to, to be a rollover. But I was I was impressed by the way David Wagner set his team up, you know, and, and he still you knew what was coming, and he still found a way and didn't take our chances, but the chances were only half chances. So it, so much so that it was our Kevin the first half and Nick Otterbend the second half. They seemed to be our best our best chances really, which would yeah they were half chances. So by our standards, even so much that Kev came off, but you just felt that, you know, everyone was just look, so looking forward to getting the trophy, getting the hands in it, getting the medals and be able to properly celebrate. Now, Pep would be frustrated because he, you know, he, he still wants to get that hundred, a hundred points and, you know, it, it, that, that'll be it now. So tomorrow night, Southampton, they'll be going for it, you know, all guns blazing. And I think he'll probably be, you might find that training sessions are probably be a bit heightened today, so it'll be a bit more challenging because he has his expectations. And also, don't forget, there's players that are playing for their places next season. People take that as, as a red that they're going to get, that's going to walk in, but he'll have players in his mind that he wants to bring in, and he'll know that if any player comes back or is not at the level, they're going to struggle to get in. Absolutely. Now, we've got Don Price, who is the former chairman of the Presswich and Whitefield branch, the supporters club with us. We're going to talk a little bit about your book and, and the past of City. City, which obviously Lakey was was a big part of. But what about the current city? What do you think now? I mean, obviously, as a supporter like me, presumably you dreamed of days like this. Has it has it lived up to your ex, your expectations, or are you one of those people? And not many of them. A few who's rather you know think back to the old days. Which which camp are you in with that, Don? 
Oh no, sort the old days. Let's look to the future. I mean, some of the football we play. I mean, I'm pinching myself. You know, you just dream of, you know, how can a team play like that so consistently all through the season? They're on a different level. At, they're on an absolutely different level at times. And you know, the way they pass the ball about, you know, the way they score so many goals, it, it's, it's just dreamland. I mean, you can just sit there watching the game and thinking, oh my god, how, how, how can they do this? It's, uh, I mean. I'm sure in Paul's playing days, he'd, he'd love to you know, play like that. But we've got a manager now who's got the players playing the way he wants to, and it's just absolutely incredible. I mean, you never want the 90 minutes to finish, do you? You can just want to watch it all day long. Were you there on Sunday? No, unfortunately. I came over to watch the game and I had a ticket for the game, but I got called on granddaughter sitting duties. So uh, <laughs> I was roped into that. So we watched it on the TV with the granddaughter and it was just fantastic. And bear in mind what you said about how afterwards, how they all brought everybody out. You know, I was impressed when they brought, you know, like Brian Kidd and all the backroom staff out, all with the city shirts on. Mm -hmm. And it's not as though they were dragged out there. They were buzzing, they had their arms up in the air, they were clapping each other, shouting. And then I seen Paul, Paul Stones and uh, Kyle Walker with the medals. They were like big kids, they're big Cheshire, you know, grins like Cheshire cats, showing the medals to everybody like, like you would if you were an 11 year old, you know, winning, uh, winning at school. And that's how much it meant to everybody at City. I've got to ask you about your favourite memories of Price, Presswich and Whitefield yeah. Branch, because obviously me and Paul have both been down to the branch in the past. It doesn't quite exist in the way it was when yeah. you were there, yeah. but you had some great nights, didn't you? Do, do you remember one particular night or something like that from your many, many meetings with such so many stars? I think the standout one for me, well, there's a few standout ones, but I think the one stands out for me is that after t Tony Buck got sacked yet again when Franny Lee was there and he seemed to just disappear. There was no recognition of him. So we organised a meeting there and we got Paul turned up and we must have had about 15, 16 ex-players. Peter Barnes, uh, Paul Walsh flew up from London, uh, Andy Dibble was there. You might have even been there yourself, uh, Ian, I can't remember. But there were so many there and uh, Tony Buck was actually overwhelmed. His son came up to me afterward and said, you know, my dad's nearly in tears because he never expected anything like that. And he never expected all the players because they were genuine. They all spoke how much how how much they felt for Tony because everybody thought it was a crying shame the way he just got dismissed. Uh, you know, you know, under Franny Lee, you'd have thought he'd be the last. He'd be the last person. You you thought he might have moved to one side or done something or kept him in an ambassador role, but just to get some rid of somebody like him with his heritage and history, it you know. You must have felt like us really disappointed and disgusted, and that's why we done some it. And we had over four hundred people in the uh, in the social club that night. I mean, it was nearly on the rafters and everything, and it was it was superb, you know. And it was it meant so much to me that the players, ex players, wanted to come. And I say, Paul Paul Walsh was working for Sky at the time in London, and he flew up to come to the meeting, which was incredible. You've had some great nights there, Lakey, haven't you? Press switch and white. Yeah, I'm just amazed that Don's kept his language to a minimum tonight. <laughs> and he's done really I know you've been so looking far. a bit anxiously. <laughs> Is that what you're worried about? Not at all. He no, knows no, he's no, on raid. He you know, he's going to be knows. sensible. No, tonight. but to be fair, it was always the one where you knew you were going to have a really, really buzzing night. You know, it was always lively. It was always loads going on. It was great to see how Don kept everybody in check in his inimitable way. But at the same time, it, it was always about celebrating each night 
and being in that night, being the moment, you know, there's too many times and as you get older, you realise, don't you, that you're always thinking about what you've got to do, what you've got to do, rather than being here, being now and enjoying it. When you got to, any time you went to Preston to Whitefield, you yeah, always had a cracking night. Now, you've written this book, and I want to come back to it a little bit later mm. on again, but just to begin with, uh, We Never Win at Home, We Never Win Away, which is your story and other fans' stories. Yeah. What motivated you to write this, uh, Don? Well... Like most football fans, you, you know, people have, you know, you'd have read loads of books and you have your opinions of them. You think, oh, I could do better than that, or that's not good, or that's very good. And then I kept thinking for quite a while, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind having a go of doing that. So I got, I got thinking uh, about what format it should be. And, you know, some books by some authors are self-proclaiming. So what I decided to do was get other people involved. There's about another 14 or 15 fans involved in the book and they've wrote their own stories and it goes from the 50s with uh, Dave Wallace going to his first game. He's from King of the Kipax to Sean Riley who the players actually turned up at his house uh, at the end of last season and presented him with free tickets because he's not missed a game of home and away for 35 years. And that was Sane and Gundogan, wasn't it? He went yeah, to yeah, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was gobsmacked. He never shot for words, Sean, but it was, it was gobsmacked. It was mm -hmm. gobsmacked then. So we've got these sort of people involved and there were, some of the people I don't even know. And there was one lad, his story was incredible. Him and his friend decided to hitchhike to Vienna when City were playing in the European Cup Winners' Cup in 1970. And it was taking a long time to go, but they realised later they were hitchhiking the wrong way in the motorway in Germany for about three and a half hours in the soaking rain until somebody stopped them and said, I think you should be going that way. <laughs> and, and then when they actually, when they actually got to uh, Vienna, they had no lodging, they had nowhere to stay. So they actually climbed over the ground of the uh, of the stadium where City were playing and there was another five or six City fans already kipping there. So there was about eight of them kipping for two nights in the stadium where City were going to play the <laughs> game. And those sort of stories are priceless and I thought it was great to get that down. And the other thing with this lad is that uh, Glenn Pardo was his neighbour and they knew what hotel the players were staying at. So him and his mate went up to the... Uh, went up to the hotel, had a chat with them, and they actually got a lift on the coach to uh, to the training place. So they actually all watched the players train, and there was actually on the coach, there was actually on the coach with all the players, uh, and watched them train for a couple of hours day before the game. And if you told those sort of stories in the pub, people would think, oh, you're having a yarn. But, I mean, you couldn't make those sort of things up. You couldn't. They're all in this book. We'll talk to Don a bit more later on. But if you want a copy of this, courtesy of Don, courtesy of Excess Manchester, uh, then all you, I'm going to tell you the question and the number. To, are we going to do it as a text, Joe? We're doing it as a text number. So you'll text a five-digit number and the answer to the question. And obviously, we'll get back to you if you're the winner and you'll get a copy of this book. Uh, but on the way next, we're going to be talking to Vincent Company's better half, Carla Company, right after this. The Excess Manchester Football Social, winning with Gowing Law, scoring you the best care and compensation. Live from Manchester, the Excess Manchester Football Social. Call 0345 111 7625 and have your say winning with Gowing Law. 
And this is Forever Blue. I'm Ian Cheeseman on Excess Manchester. And uh, alongside me is the legend that is Mr. Paul Lake. Uh, now, talking of legends, the players who are the current players are going to be mega, mega legends if they're not already because of all the trophies they've won. But when you're talking about the, the uh, captain who's lifted three Premier League trophies and the way that the crowd sing about him, um, then you're not going to know it's somebody special. Now, imagine if you're a City fan, a proper City fan, a proper dedicated, and you just happen to fall in love with the captain of Manchester City and marry him, then you live in the dream like Carla Company is. Carla, good evening. <laughs> Hi. You okay? Not bad at all. I mean, you, you, that's what exactly. You, you were a proper blue. You're not. You're not just become a blue because of Vinny, have you? You were an actual. I think you were a member of a, of a branch, weren't you? I think he's probably become a blue because of me. I think it's the other way around, really. Yeah, that's what I suspected as well. <laughs> How did you meet, then? Um, well, we met through a friend, so... Well, it's a bit of a long story, but... Um, yeah, I had a friend who was um, staying with him at the time, and he just said, oh, there's a guy I think you'll like, you know, the usual. We exchanged numbers, and then that was it. And by the time he actually moved over to Manchester, I was already living in London, so... Um, yeah, it's just a bit of a whirlwind, really. Well, you, you've you've lived the dream, and you are living the dream, and you are married to the man that everybody uh, idolises <laughs> at City. Um, what's it like to be married to Vincent Company? Well, obviously, I mean, he's just a normal, he's just a normal guy who happens to be exceptionally talented at what he does. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to answer that. <laughs> there is no, no answer to it, it I suppose. It, it is a strange one because obviously being a City fan, he does have to come home to a City fan. So, you know, dependent on the result of the game or his particular performance, you know, I greet him in different ways usually. So it is. <laughs> I think it's pretty odd for him as well to come home to someone who's so uh, keen to speak about the game that he's just been involved in. I suspect uh, there are probably some wives who are not as bothered. I mean, Lakey's uh, obviously married to a City fan as well. Yeah. In oh, Joanne yeah, Lake. All about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hi, Carla. Hi, yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. So, I mean, yeah. obviously, Joanne was waxing lyrical about her, her time with you and, and, and the piece for the programme. She she really enjoyed it. And it was it was so great to, to, to be with someone who was like-minded in terms of, you know, Manchester City and also knowing, knowing the stuff in terms of football. You've obviously been a fan for a long, long time, we take it. Yeah, I mean, meeting John was great because there's not a lot of situations where we can sit down with women and talk about things that we're genuinely interested in. Obviously, there's the makeup and not to stereotype that all girls are just into girly things, but usually that's kind of how the conversation goes. So to sit down with Joanne and uh, Gaynor as well and just to talk about football and really be able to share kind of our experiences, we could have stayed there for days and days and days. I think we're probably going to arrange as well like a a girls' night with some wine and just talk about City, which is kind of bizarre, but that's probably going to be like our dream scenario, to be honest. <laughs> so, so Carla, how how do you do? Do you know when to? You know, obviously, Vinny's been very successful and has some fantastic performances, but if mm-hmm. he's ever had a a bad time, or obviously he has had those those injuries, which he's fought back from, which is credit to, mm-hmm. to his character. How have you managed those situations? Well, you know, you, you ju- you're just devastated. I mean, taking the fact that obviously I'm a, a supporter of him and the team, um, and obviously I love it when Vince plays just for personal reasons, but, you know, you just sit there and that's my husband and to see him go through, you know, a struggle and then people kind of question, um, is he mentally strong enough? Does he have the physical capabilities to carry on? 
you know, you sit there and yeah. I don't really know kind of what to say in those situations, but he is fantastic. He's always so positive. Even if he's not playing, he's always going to be that guy that's a complete cheerleader in the dressing room, making sure that everyone's ready for the game. Mentally, they're happy. You know, they've got everything that they need. So for him, it's kind of a, a way for him to kind of exercise his captain duties off of the pitch but still, you know, kind of be involved from behind the scenes. So he doesn't struggle too much with it in in ways that maybe some other players might. I don't really know because I don't really speak to any other players in them scenarios, but he deals with it fantastically, which obviously helps me then because I'm not kind of treading on eggshells around him. So, well, yeah, it's always difficult to see. Well, we know that he's, he's, he's an extremely well-read and intelligent footballer as well. So there's that side yeah. to him. I know his dad was was um, in, in a quite... Um, in a movement of politics, shall we say? I won't go into it, yeah. but, it, but he, he is that background as well. And and the way that the club is changing, must you must feel particularly proud as well because the club now have this slogan: "It's just football. It's not men's football. It's not women's football. It's football." And they are yeah. totally encompassing that. And I've seen you at women's games as well. So you mm-hmm. obviously buy into that and must must be very proud of what City are doing off the field. Honestly, it's just it's a dream come true just to see the transformation of of a club that I've supported, like you say before. Um, I got with Vince. Um, we were just actually talking the other day um, about when I first met Vince, and he was saying, "Oh, who do you support?" And I said, "City." And he was playing for Hamburg at the time, so he was kind of like, "Oh, okay, that's fine," because he had a friend who was playing for United. And he said, oh, usually um, he, my friend tells me that everyone in Manchester supports United. And I said, well, that's not true. You're either red or you're blue. I, you, know, you don't really choose it normally. You get told when you're born, you know, if you're red or blue. And then that's kind of how it goes. So he was like, OK. So now, obviously, since he came over, seeing how the club's developed and transformed the buildings that they've, that they've put in the city, the city and the community, everything, it's just... It's a fantastic club, and it's it's something that you could have been proud of before. But now you can, you know, you can wear your badge with with pride, and everyone's kind of, you know, they understand. Oh yeah, City are a, are a big club, so yeah, it's amazing. And in terms of Carlo, in terms of that to legacy, obviously, I mean, being part of we've all we've all from from '68. I mean, I I played. I was in a a team that was by comparison probably average, but it still meant so much to me to play and to wear the sky blue yeah. shirt. But in terms of Vincent's legacy, you know, and 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 that to kind of to look back in in years to come. I mean, it's something which you know we talk about pinching ourselves, but really that is a pinch yourself moment, isn't it? Really. Sometimes we joke about it because obviously once you've once you've come away from the pitch, you know yourself like you're just back to being normal Vince or normal Paul or you know you're just a normal person. Um, but then you see people's reactions around people chasing the cars or asking for pictures or autographs, and we just sit there and say, "Did you ever imagine that?" people would be this interested in you for a talent that you've got. And he was like, no, obviously, it's just a dream come true. Every minute is just something you can never take for granted. So, yeah, exactly. yeah it's, always, it's always a pinch yourself moment. And every game that he gets to play, especially since the injuries, is just the icing on the cake, I think, because, you know, he's won the, he's won the premiership. He's won other trophies as well. And obviously, he wants to win the Champions League, of course, what player doesn't. But... You know, he's ticked a lot, a lot of boxes in his career. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. game now is just, it's just a bonus, really. Well, you know, the one thing that always stays in my my memory is the is the interview that that Vinny did at the end of when we when we won it with the with the uh, Sergio goal, 
and he was saying oh, yeah. that you know and, and he had actual words along the lines of the fact that you know forget all the money forget all the trappings you know from being a, a boy this is what we all dream of about you yeah. know winning the league with your team you know and to yeah. do it in such a way an exciting way in a way that you know in, in spite of how wonderful it's been with, with, with Pep and, and with Manuel Pellegrini that the fact that the way that it was done but to stay in the memories you know forever for, for football fans worldwide because of how it was done and being the captain of that team at that time you know it's the way that he came across there was it was it was a pretty emotional um, interview actually for lots of City fans yeah, and, and yeah. for that you know I'd, I'd say credit to him because that was so so powerful yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I think in that moment, especially because it was almost snatched, if you like, away from us. Um, going into that game, obviously, everyone kind of expected us to beat QPR. Um, they're fighting for relegation. We're top of the table. So, you know, as it goes, we should have won. So it was so close to being a situation where, oh, my gosh, we've got to go another year and try again and, and try and get in this situation. And it's such a hard, long slog to get there. But not just the season, the fact that, like you say, he's been working for this since he was, what, six, seven years old? Going to football training, you know, you give up your childhood, a lot of kids will know um, they dedicate themselves to football so much from such a young age, or to get to this point where you can play in professional football, championship, premiership, and then to be at the top of that, and the team that's at the top of that, and then be the captain of that situation, it's just... You couldn't write it, really. It's it's not something that, obviously, a lot of footballers will ever get to experience as well. So, yeah, in that moment when it almost wasn't the dream scenario, we almost were thinking, what if we don't win? You sit there and go, we actually did win it. It humbleizes you, I think. And I think he was just thinking, yeah, forget everything else. This is this is what we've dreamed of. This is what we've wanted, what we've worked for since we were kids. And, yeah, I think it was emotional for everybody. I think I was crying so much that day. I bet you were crying on Sunday as well, weren't you? <laughs> Yeah, it was a great day. It was such a great day. I can't even believe it again that we've done it again. It's just, I don't know. you just got to keep going, haven't you, and try and get more. There's a, a one last story I'm going to tell you now about when I met, when I met Vinny after the 2012, and uh, he was one of your children when him were playing football on the pitch, and mm. he gave me his captain's armband. Now, wow. that, I treasure that so much. That is just such a, an honour to have that. Um, and yet you, as a person, you get to get him to come home to you every night. You don't need any souvenirs like that, do you? Have you, have you got a, tr a treasured possession yourself? I've, he gave me one of his captain's armbands as well, and I've got that in uh, my bedside table. And I've, I treasure it as well, because it's like, this is a captain's armband. You wore this in a, <laughs> in, a, in a Premier League game, of course. You know, it's something that... Um, I've kept hold of. We've got shirts and all sorts of bits and bobs, but yeah, no, he's a lovely guy. Well, Carlo, there's one more question for me, and then I'll I'll stop I'll stop pecking you. But it just it's just fascinating to get your insight. But in in terms of the the kind of mood in the camp from from Mancini to Pellegrini to to Pep, is there is there a, a massive sort of difference in how the, the camp is at this moment in time? Well, I mean. It's difficult for me to answer because I, obviously I've never been kind of in the dressing room or in those back background scenarios, so I, I really couldn't tell you, to be honest. Um, I could only say what I can see on the pitch as well as what you can see. The, the way the players are playing, what Pep's bringing is a, is a clear identity to the club. Um, I think that kind of echoes all the way down through to the youth as well. They have a very specific style. 
um, which is obviously fantastic for us because it means that these young players like Phil Foden are practicing his style of football. They can come through to the first team, um, and you know we've got local lads then playing for us, and you know that's what it's all about getting the academy academy players through. So I think since he's come and he's put his stamp on the club all the way down from the bottom to the top, I'd say for me that's what I've noticed, a big change and uh, a positive change as well. We've uh, talked in, on this programme in the past uh, with Nader Manua, who I know is a big mate of Vinny's and I'm yeah, yeah. sure a big mate of yours as well. And, He's our uh, matchmaker. He is our matchmaker. He told us that story on air, yeah. He said he oh, put you he? together, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, and Nadam, I asked Nadam about his future, because obviously he's still a player at QPR, and, yeah. and I asked him about Vinny and wondered if either of them would ever go on to be a manager, and he said he didn't think he would, but he thought Vinny might. So do you see, I mean, he's, a, he's such a leader and he's such a charismatic man and mm-hmm. such a man, it seems to me, you'll know this far better than me, but from the outside, a man of absolute integrity and he feels like a perfect future City manager. Do, is that something you think he might do in the future? Well, that would be the cherry on top of the cake, wouldn't it? If he then became the manager in the future, that I would absolutely love that. But, um, I mean, he's definitely got the ability to, I think, learn the tricks of the trade and, and eventually get there but I'm not sure if that's something that he's going to go into I mean you know he's done his MBA he's a, a businessman as well he's very intelligent there's lots of different things he can do once his career's finished playing football the world is oyster really I could imagine him being Prime Minister somewhere oh he could be Prime Minister <laughs> yeah he could be anything he's got my vote anyway <laughs> and what about you I mean I know at one time you, you actually presented a radio programme Carla didn't you yeah yeah. and I know you do a lot of charity work what, 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 what do you see as your future because you're obviously very talented in your own right aren't you yeah, well, for for now, I guess I'm just um, concentrating on the children. As Vince is away, as away so often, um, you know, we have to be here, someone to be kind of stable at home with the kids. Um, once I get to a good age, then I think I'll look into some other options. I mean, I'm not sure if I'll go into presenting again. It's quite a stressful job, I think you'll agree. Oh, I'm quite <laughs> chilled about it, mate. <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed my time there, but... It just wasn't ideal with the kids, so we'll see. We'll see. Well, Carl, it's never been an absolute honour to speak to you. Pass on our best wishes to Vinny. and um, oh, will do. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll watch his career, where, whichever direction it goes in, continue to soar and we'll be singing. I'm, do you join in, by the way, when the fans sing his song? Oh, you don't want to see me in, the, in that box, honestly. <laughs> I'm an absolute state. If I ever sit there with Vince watching a game, he says to me, will you sit down and shut up? What if... What if the camera goes on me and then you're just sat there jumping up and down, <laughs> yelling all sorts, singing with your arms out? I'm like, well, I can't help it. I just can't help it. Yeah, of course I join in. <laughs> Thanks very much, Carla. Great to chat Thank to you. Thank you. Cheers, Thanks for your support. See you later. Bye-bye. That's Carla Company joining us on XS Manchester. Um, what a humble person. I mean, you know, I, we all know that modern footballers these days are multimillionaires. She seems very grounded and, and just just like us, really. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, what, what what comes across is that that um, what it means to be a city fan. You know, first and foremost, forget everything else. You can just you can just feel the the, the, the citizen oozing out of the microphone, can you? You know, yeah. and that that's what you love. You know, that that genuine city fan, which we all are, and and she doesn't need that credibility. Just be yourself, and that's exactly what what she does and how she comes across. You know what? I forgot to do the competition before, didn't I? Eight double seven double one is the text number, right? Eight double seven double one. You've got about fifteen minutes from now. Eight double seven double one. What you've got to do is tell me.
me. Don Price is with us, who we'll speak to again in a minute or two. It used to be the chairman of our branch of the Supporters Club, which we have mentioned a couple of times. If you can identify that branch, then you can have a copy of his book, You Never Win at Home, You Never Win Away. So which branch was Don Price, the legendary chairman of, started in 1994, uh, 87711, text us right now, and you can win a copy of that book. And after this, we'll speak to Rodney Marsh. The Excess Manchester Football Social. Winning with Gowing Law. Surgeons scored an own goal. Contact us for beauty treatments gone wrong. Live from Manchester. The Excess Manchester Football Social. Call 0345 7625 and have your say. Winning with Gowing Law. This is Forever Blue, I'm Ian Cheeseman and Paul Lake is with me here tonight and also Don Price who uh, has written a book, he's a, he's a fan, he was a chairman of a certain branch, right? I'm not going to tell you that again because that's the, the question, 87711 if you want to text in. If you know the answer to that branch, put your name on it and you could win a copy of his book. But um, I want to ask Don, before we speak to Rodney Marsh, um, who's, who's going to join us in a second, about the song that I regard as my favourite City song, which is the Invisible Man song. And... I always thought, I mean, I remember when City played at Millwall and it was behind, well, not behind closed doors, but no away fans, and Darren Okerby and Sean Wright Phillips and everything went to the away, empty away end and waved, that that was how it had started. But it started at your branch a couple of years before that, Don, didn't it? Yeah, well, it actually started in the Forrester pub in Presswich in 1991, and it was a week after we'd been on a stag do, and then we carried on the stag do, and also, unfortunately, one of our mates had passed away. And the beginning of the song is, if you drink, you will die. If you don't drink, you will die. So it's better to be drunk than be sober when you die. Just like the fan of the Invisible Man, we're not really here. And it was in memory. It was One of the reasons it was sung that day is in memory of that lad. So it was sung in the pub, but also that day, it was a bit of a mad day in the Foresters. And we were singing Gary Glitter songs, God forbid, and all, sort, all sorts of other stuff. And I've actually got a video, a tape, doing the rounds now. I've not seen this tape for 20 odd years. And I've actually put the tape out on video, and it's actually it's actually on Facebook, and also on uh, that Twitter thing. I'm not into Twitter. <laughs> but, but it's on that Twitter thing. And uh, that's from 1991. Now, it was a long time from then until it got into... Uh, into mass into, circulation. Into mass circulation. It was sang in the pubs. It was just a pub song. I mean, lots of pubs, not just in Presbyterian, but other areas. On a Sunday afternoon, people got together, had a bit of a sing-song, and that's what happened in the Foresters. Now, once a branch formed, we started singing there after the meetings had finished. And then when we went to Athlone and Cork uh, in a pre-season friendly, it was a trek from Athlone to Cork and was on a coach. So we're all singing daft songs and that, so that, that started singing. And it, it was a bit of a catchy tune. And I always remember it was at the Cork Supporters branch at the, on the, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, the invite was there. And they asked me to say something about the hospitality the Cork fans had treated us. But by then I could hardly stand up. So I just got on stage and I started singing that, if you drink, you will die. And it just went mental, everybody started singing it. And it was a few weeks, like I think it was Lincoln away or Grimsby away when I first heard it, some of the fans singing it at a game. And it probably took off big style. You're right, maybe after the Millwall thing, but it already, it already had its base there, you know, because you can't just start a song off like that with the two or three people singing it and expect, you know, the Kipax or anybody else to start singing it and think you're mental. 
you know so it had its roots it had its roots early as 19 1991 and the people that were singing it in that pub you know on the day some of them were United fans some of them were Berry fans some of them were even football fans you know some were even singing it they were you know if you see the whole video and I'll put some more out on Facebook people were just playing pool and we're just dancing on the tables like madmen and it was just it was just one of those things so that, that's where the base of it was it started in 1991 but as you know mass circulation plus the other thing I don't think it would have took off if we were still in the first division playing Arsenal Chelsea United because it wouldn't make any sense we're not really here but again it took off when we were dropping down the divisions at Macclesfield York and places like that it made a lot of sense and then the first bit was dropped off you know so it was just the end bit and that's that's carried on forevermore now but 1991 definitely well, that story and many more in that book, We Never Went At Home, We Never Went Away, with Don Price. And in my vlog that I'm going to do for the final match at Southampton, you'll uh, you'll see a little bit of that video that Don's given me and uh, and, and get him to, he'll tell you the story. Now, Rodney Marsh joins us now from uh, across the, the pond. Uh, Rodney, you've been watching this and I know you're a real student of the game, very opinionated on everything. We love it. What do you, what did you, what have you made of this season? Has it been the perfect season? No, uh, very close, Ian. Very close. Um, so many good things from from the playing point of view. Um, I think the biggest single uh, reason it's not the perfect season is once again getting knocked out of Europe. And, and we all know that uh, when Sheikh Mansour took over and uh, Gary Cook was in place, you and I had this conversation, by the way, Ian, a, a few years ago. Um, he's he's uh, remit. He was, you know, his brief was Champions League and the biggest brand in Europe. And, and um, again, Manchester City, fantastic year, great play, but come up short there again. So you think it's going to be slightly overshadowed the season, despite the fantastic records that they broke and all the goals no. they scored uh, by that failure in the in the Champions League. No, uh, I don't think it's going to be overshadowed. I, I, I think anybody... And I, I had Matt Letizier on my show today in America, um, and he said next year it's going to be Manchester City and 19 others. And I thought that was quite a, quite a good statement because I actually agree with that. I think the other 19 are going to be trying to fight it out. Who's going to tr go and try and overtake Man City? And I don't think they will. So to answer your question here, magnificent team, magnificent manager, of course, Great success, but until until City win the Champions League, can can City really be classed in the same as Barcelona and Real Madrid and teams like that? Not not yet. You as a player epitomised wanting to play the game for the joy of the game, and obviously yes. there is a there is a mentality that we've seen it prevail with Chelsea, for example, when they won the Champions League. They didn't play the beautiful game like I understand it, like I enjoy it, but they they did it successfully and they won. It's a knockout competition. Pep said earlier this season, not not too long ago actually, that the difference between winning the league and winning the Champions League is that you've only got to win basically seven games or whatever in the Champions right. League, whereas it's 38 games right. in the league. But you, as an aficionado of the game, you loved it, you breathed it, you played it. People have opinions about how you play, but don't they always? But you love the game, there's no doubt about that. Do you, on that basis, you must desperately want a team like City to have that ultimate success just to sort of rubber stamp that football is the beautiful game and I think 
you're dead right, Ian. Uh, I did play for the joy and the love of the game and for the love of being around the fans. I loved, I loved to entertain the fans. That was why I considered my my job was and uh, to play great winning football and, and enjoy the game. And City do that. They do that all over the field. Um, I think it, it's very easy uh, to to understate the importance of Vincent Company in this in this team and in this squad. I think Vincent Company has been absolutely superb in in every single way, um, and it's his leadership that I think has been the the um, the spine of the City um, resurgence as one of the best teams in Europe. Well, well said. We had we spoke to Carla Company, his wife, a little earlier on, and uh, we said, oh, "Did gonna, you? I didn't know that." I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with the word you're saying there because I think he is just a, a fantastic leader. Is he your standout player? Then I was going to ask you who you think because obviously there's there's De Bruyne, there's Fernandinho, there's David Silva. My personal um, player of the year this year would actually be Fernandinho, but who would you pick? Well, um, in the modern game. Ian, that we all seem to be talking about now. <laughs> um, in the modern game, it's like, what have you done for me lately? And, and I would say over the course of the last maybe seven or eight years, Vincent Company would be my number one uh, for Man City. In recent times, in, in, in this season, I, I'd like Kevin De Bruyne myself. I, I look at Kevin De Bruyne as a... Um, and I'm not going to offend anybody when I say this. I hope nobody is offended by this comment. This is only Rodney Marsh, this is not your station, it's just me. I think Kevin De Bruyne is a poor man's Colin Bell. And at some point, Kevin De Bruyne may go on to become a, uh, you know, one of the best players Man City have ever had. But for me, Colin, uh, Colin Bell, up until this day, is still for me the greatest player that's ever played for Manchester City Football Club. So, Kevin De Bruyne, player of the year for me, but not in that uh, Colin Bell bracket yet, Ian, yet. But he's getting there. He's definitely, of course he's getting there, yeah, but uh, I think I'm right in so I played in the game with Colin Bell um, when I was captain of the City, I think it was 73, 74 season, something like that, and um, we had a corner kick against us, and Colin Bell was on the post defensively, and I think it was against West Ham, the corner was swung in, Colin Bell headed the ball out of our goal, the ball went to Summerby, went down the wing, Summerby beat a player, crossed the ball to the far post, and Colin Bell headed it in. Colin had run 110 yards and, and stopped to go one end and scored the goal the other end. Now, he, he for me, exemplified a total footballer. And and, uh, and and one day, I'm not saying Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne's going to do that, but one day Kevin could get there. Rodney, great story. Thank you very much. We've run out of time. We'll get you on again. Have to do that because you're always brilliant. Thank you very much to Rodney Marsh. See you, boys. See ya. Uh, the lines are closed now for the competition. In fact, uh, that's just about it. Good luck with the book, Don. Thank you very and much, thanks yeah. very much com for coming down tonight. We really, you've been great company. I've really As you always it. were. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, now then, we've got to Joe, who's going to tell us the winner now of the competition. The winner is James Hennigan in Levenshoe. Well done, James. And the answer, of course, was Presswich and Whitefield branch was the legendary Don Price's home branch.
Don't know about legendary, but yeah, it was Press Richard Whitefield, definitely. We're calling you legend. Just accept <laughs> it, Don. Right, uh, back tomorrow night again with uh, Steve Shanyaski and Joe McGrath for the uh, the Wednesday Club, as we call it. If you've never listened to it, make sure you listen to it. Forever Blue is back next week. And don't forget, we're there for the parade next Monday as well. The Excess Manchester Football Social, winning with Gowing Law. If you've had an accident at work, get us on your side. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.